what a conference this weekend. <laughs> what a gathering today. People from East and West have gathered here together today in worshiping the Lord foreshadows the worship of a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne as described in Revelation 7. Isn't this amazing? Do you like this? You better like this. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't have a place in the kingdom of God. I'm not kidding. But I don't see anyone in the city church who is an alien to this reality. You wouldn't be here in this church in downtown Gainesville. Instead, you would be in a suburb, in a bubble, with people who look like you, who dress like you, who speak like you, and even who smell like you. <laughs> Today the church smells so good with all the Indian spices. <laughs> Let it smell. Let it smell. Let it smell. Our Lord has done far more abundantly than we ask for or imagine in Trellis 2022. Praise be to God. A million thanks to the City Church family. Without your support, we couldn't have done this conference. Thank you, everyone, for your sincere prayers, generous financial support, and tireless labor. You all went above and beyond to make this happen. Thank you, Pastor Chipper, for taking this idea to the elders and the missions committee and mobilizing your entire church. Our special and heartfelt thanks to Nico and Fraley for being city church champions, point persons for Trellis 2022. Thank you. Tesh and Jess and Sarah and volunteers who led amazing special sessions for children and youth. And thank you, Jay, and the volunteers for leading worship sessions throughout this weekend. Last but not least, I would like to thank all the Trellis participants, including our event management committee uh, team, and also a family who traveled all the way from London for joining us uh, in spite of uh, your work, uh, higher gas prices, uh, and hair fares. Are you asking yourselves why this long list of names, expression of personal greetings, gratitude, and appreciation? Should it be included in the worship service, in the sermon like this? Take a deep breath. Apostle Paul does it. Almost every epistle of Paul has a section that contains his personal greetings and his expressions of gratitude or appreciation. Was Apostle Paul flattering? I don't think so. In the book of Colossians, we find Paul's greetings and expression of gratitude in the first chapter as well as in the last chapter. 
as a matter of fact, Paul wants to read this letter at gatherings in the churches, in the church setup. Today, we are going to look at Paul's greetings in the book of Colossians and learn three distinguishing marks of a faithful worker of Christ. Who is a faithful worker of Christ? In Trellis 2021, I preached on the three distinguishing marks of the sheep from John chapter 10. I'm definitely not going to ask those who attended Trellis 2021 what those three distinguishing marks are. But as a good preacher, let me say what those three distinguishing marks of the sheep are. The sheep hear shepherd's voice, number one. Number two, the sheep follow the shepherd. And number three, the sheep will never perish. Now you remember, right? Sometimes we forget what was preached the previous Sunday. It's been almost a year, so I can understand that. Let's move on to today's passage. But before we do that, shall we ask the Lord to speak to us? Father God, we thank you for your wonderful presence in our midst. We thank you for your most holy word. Your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Open our eyes today to behold your wondrous word. Open our ears today to hear your gentle voice. Open our hearts today to respond. All hearts are in your hands and all events at your disposal. Set the seal of your almighty will upon today's preaching. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians. As you open it, let me do a quick recap of what we have learned uh, so far in this conference. On Thursday evening, Dr. Michael Whitmer opened the conference with his speaking on the supremacy of Christ from Colossians chapter 1. Friday morning, he spoke to us about the sufficiency of Christ. That is, how Jesus is enough from Colossians chapter 2. Then we had Case Thorpe teaching us on Christ in your workplace from Colossians chapter 3. Finally, on Friday evening, Pastor Chipper brought God's word from Colossians 1 and 2 on Christ and the church. Yesterday, Dr. Nick Perrin spoke to us about the life in Christ, part 1 from Colossians chapter 3. Following that, Esther taught us about the life in Christ, part two, from Colossians 3. Finally, we had Dr. Nick Perrin speaking to us from Colossians 3 on Christ in your home. Now, let's look at Paul's greetings in Colossians 1 and 4 for three distinguishing marks of a faithful worker of Christ. Actually, there are six distinguishing marks, but... I have put them in pairs, and so we have three. You will find out why I did that way when we take a deeper look at each of them. First, 
a faithful worker of Christ has faith in Christ Jesus and love for all the saints. Faith in Christ Jesus and love for all the saints. Turn with me to Colossians 1 verses 3 to 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Paul and Timothy thank God in their prayers always for the saints at Colossae, not just occasionally, but regularly, repeatedly, continually. Not every second or minute or hour of the day, but during their times of prayer. Trellis participants, you are in our prayers. We are praying for this prayer request you share with us every six months. Why do they thank God or what caused them to thank God when they pray for the saints at Colossae? They thank God for their faith in Christ Jesus and for the love for all the saints. Faith in Christ Jesus together with love for all the saints. The Colossians had faith in Jesus. Not just in Jesus, but in Christ Jesus. You may wonder why the emphasis is on Christ. We know Christ means anointed Messiah, Savior, Lord. Christ also denotes Jesus as the prophet. Jesus as the priest and Jesus as the king. In the Old Testament, God consecrated or anointed or set apart prophets, priests, and kings. Three different officers for three different functions. Prophets who reveal the word of God. They receive the word of God and speak the very word of God. And priests who serve as reconcilers between God and the people, and kings who reign or rule over God's people. But in the New Testament, we see Jesus as the anointed or consecrated or set apart to fulfill all these three offices. In the past, God spoke to the people through the prophets. Now, he has spoken to us through his son. Jesus has fulfilled the office of the prophet. That is why Paul writes to the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. Jesus fulfilled the office of the priest by offering himself as a sacrifice. Through his sacrificial death on the cross, he has reconciled us to God. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed 
on the cross. Jesus is the king. Colossians 1.16 For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or authorities or rulers or, author or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. The Colossians had faith in Christ Jesus. To put it differently, they trusted Jesus as their Christ. They trusted Jesus as the final word. They trusted that God has reconciled them to himself through Jesus Christ. They trusted Jesus as their Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is not about the faith that the prosperity gospel preachers want you to have in order for you to have all the material wealth and physical health. This is about the faith in Christ Jesus for eternal life. Verse 6, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. Their faith in Christ Jesus was motivated by their heavenly hope. Do you have such faith in Jesus? Do you trust him as your Christ? Do you trust Jesus as the final word? Or do you go after so-called prophets for new revelation? Have you been reconciled to God through Christ? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is Jesus enough in your life? If Jesus is the Lord of your life, your identity, your value, your significance, your security, your meaning and purpose in life will arise from your faith in Christ Jesus. Let me repeat that. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, your identity, your value, your security, your significance, your meaning and purpose in life will arise from your faith in Christ Jesus. This is foundational for any believers in Christ and therefore for all faithful workers of Christ. Paul gives thanks for the Colossians for their faith in Christ Jesus. Moreover, Paul gives thanks for the Colossians for their love for all the saints. Not just for some selective individuals, but for all the saints, which I guess includes Jewish Christians. Their faith in Christ Jesus points out their vertical relationship with Christ, with God, and their love for all the saints points out their horizontal relationship with other Christians. I don't think they were trying to be nice with everyone. I think they were genuine in their love for all the saints. It is one thing to be nice with people. 
not being real. It's a whole different thing to be genuine, being real with people. They were not faking it. You may ask me, on what basis I say this? Glad you asked. I say this on the basis of how Paul first thanks God for their faith in Christ Jesus, and then for the love, for the love of their saints, for their saints. The latter springs forth from the former. Their love for the saints springs forth from their faith in Christ Jesus. Their faith in Christ Jesus changed everything, including their love for Jewish Christians, for Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, despite the long history of enmity between Jews and Gentiles. Has your faith in Christ Jesus changed the way you love your fellow brothers and sisters, regardless of their color, class, or caste, depending on where you are from? and even race? Or are you content with the lack of genuine love for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Don't ever take for granted what Jesus himself said in his farewell discourse to his disciples in John 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. First, a faithful worker of Christ has faith in Christ Jesus and love for all the saints. Second, a faithful worker of Christ encourages and comforts others. Now, turn your Bibles to the fourth chapter of Colossians. Uh, fourth chapter of Colossians, verses 7 through 9. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell about everything here. Not the word faithful which is mentioned Twice here. Verse 7, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful minister. Verse 8, Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother. Also in chapter 1, the word faithful is mentioned twice. Chapter 1, verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters. Chapter 1, verse 7, Epaphras. Our dearly loved fellow servant is a faithful minister of Christ. In all these four references, the word faithful is being used as a description for saints and ministers. The word faithful here refers to having a faith in Christ Jesus to an inward attitude as we have already looked at as well as being faithful to him, to an outward act. Because faithful is being used as a description for saints and ministers, 
I have titled this sermon as Three Distinguishing Marks of a Faithful Worker of Christ. We are now at the second distinguishing mark that is a faithful worker of Christ encourages and comforts others. In verses 7 through 9, Paul writes about two faithful workers of Christ. One is Tychicus and another is Onesimus. Who is Tychicus? Tychicus is Paul's fellow servant in the Lord who accompanied him on his missionary journeys. And he also traveled to certain places on Paul's behalf. And who is Onesimus? Onesimus is Philemon's slave. For Philemon, Onesimus is a slave, but for Paul, is a faithful and dearly loved brother. For Philemon, Onesimus is useless, but for Paul, is useful. From verses 7 through 9, we understand that both Tychicus and Onesimus know Paul's circumstances. Paul is imprisoned. Paul is in chains. In Colossians 1.24, we see Paul is in chains, not just for the Colossians, but also for the church at large. And we also see Paul rejoicing in his sufferings. Paul is sending both Tychicus and Onesimus to the Colossians so that they will tell them all the news about them so that the Colossians may know how they are so that they may encourage them. So it is very clear that the purpose of sending Tychicus is to encourage them. How in the world Paul's suffering for the gospel may encourage the Colossians. Philippians 1 offers some clues. In Philippians 1, Paul writes that what has happened to him, that is, his imprisonment, has been or has advanced the gospel. Paul's imprisonment was never a stumbling block to his gospel ministry. Rather, it has been a stepping stone. I guess Paul's imprisonment might have discouraged the Colossians. And as a result, they would have detached themselves from gospel work. So, Paul sends Tychicus, a faithful worker, to the Colossians so that they may encourage them. To encourage is to fire up, to inspire, or to motivate. To fire up or to inspire or to motivate for what? For the gospel work. A faithful worker of Christ encourages others for gospel work. But only those who are fired up for the gospel work can fire up others. Let me say it again. Only those who are fired up for the gospel work can fire up others. Are you fired up for the gospel work? Or are you ashamed of the gospel? When was the last time you tried to share the gospel with others? 
if you are fired up for gospel work, who's on your team? Who are you encouraging and recruiting as your fellow faithful worker? A faithful worker not just encourages others for gospel work, but comfort others. Look at verses 10 and 11. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Aristarchus, Mark, and Justus, a.k.a. Just Jesus, or Paul's three Jewish Christian co-workers. In the next uh, three verses, we see Paul had three Gentile Christian co-workers. What a team. Can you imagine a gospel team consisting of Jews and Gentiles, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians? Let's quickly look at who is Aristarchus, and who is Mark, and who is Justus. Aristarchus is from Thessalonica, and is Paul's traveling companion. He was also persecuted a lot and Barnabas. Mark goes with Barnabas, and Silas goes with Paul. While we know that Barnabas is a son of encouragement, he would have really intended to build Mark up. But we cannot forget the fact that Barnabas is also a relative to Mark. Some of us who are from a collectivistic culture can resonate with that. Let's not conduct a postmortem on the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas and try to find out what went wrong or who is wrong. Because here in this passage, we see Paul wants the Colossians to welcome Mark. In his letter to Timothy, he instructs Timothy to bring Mark with him. And Paul writes, for he is useful to me in the ministry. That's Mark for you. We don't know much about the third person, Jesus, who is also called Justice, except the fact that he is a Jewish Christian and he is also one of the Paul's co-workers. What is so special about Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, besides the fact that they are Paul's co-workers for the kingdom of God? They have been a comfort to Paul. To comfort means to bring relief from grief or trouble. Was Paul indeed grieving? No, he was not. As we noted earlier, he was rejoicing in his sufferings. Then why does he write that Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice have been a comfort for, to him? Two references from his own letter to 2 Timothy offer some help. First reference, 2 Timothy 1, 15 through 16. Here, Paul writes, all those in the province of Asia have deserted him except the household of Onesiphorus. 
was unique about the household of Onesiphorus? He often refreshed Paul and was not ashamed of Paul's chains. I'm sure Onesiphorus would have frequently visited Paul in the prison, would have taken care of Paul's needs, would have even taken some goodies with him to the prison. From this, we understand what Paul means when he writes, they have been a comfort to him. They refreshed him. They took care of him and were not ashamed of Paul's chains. Second reference, 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 17. Here, Paul writes, no one stood by him and everyone deserted him at his first defense but the Lord stood with him and strengthened him. From this, it is evident that Paul is trying to tell, tell all of us that Aristarchus, Mark, and Justus stood with him. They did not abandon him. Faithful workers of Christ comfort those who are suffering by refreshing them by taking care of them. Faithful workers of Christ comfort those who are suffering by not abandoning them, but by standing with them. Have you been a comfort to gospel workers? Have you refreshed them? Have you deserted them? Or have you stood with them? Several of uh, you have been a great comfort to us. Thank you. We looked at the first distinguishing mark of a faithful worker of Christ. A faithful worker of Christ has faith in Christ Jesus and love for all the saints. We also looked at the second distinguishing mark, that is, a faithful worker of Christ encourages and comforts others. Finally, but briefly, let's look at the third distinguishing mark of a faithful worker of Christ. A faithful worker of Christ wrestles in his or her prayers and works hard. In Colossians 4, verses 12 and 13, we read about one character, but as these two remarkable traits, wrestling in prayers and working hard. Epaphras was one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, send you greetings. is always wrestling for you in his prayers, so that, you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Here again, as noted earlier, always refers to during his time of prayers. Epaphras always wrestles for the Colossians. Why he has to wrestle in his prayers for the Colossians? He has to wrestle in his prayers so that they can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. This is discipleship. Helping people to stand firm and mature and helping them to be confident in everything God wants them to do, not in everything they want to do. This is discipleship. I can very well resonate with Epaphras, and I'm sure Pastor Chipper and Abby and Eva and whoever disciples other people can resonate well with Epaphras. 
This kind of discipleship is not easy. We cannot do it by our own strength. We need the strength of someone. And his strength is always available. But we need to ask. We need to pray. We need to wrestle in our prayers. Prayer includes asking, but it is not limited to asking. Let me say it again. Prayer includes asking, but it is not limited to asking. It is an act of humble dependence on God. It is an act of humble dependence on God. I'm so glad that the City Church of Gainesville has prayer as one of the core values. You desire to be a prayerful community of Christ followers who pray steadfastly and selflessly as a body and as individuals. By the way, this is from your website. We have a few collectives and teams in Gospel Life resources because we value prayer. One of, our, one of the teams in Mo is mobilizing all the volunteers to pray for everyone who is involved in Gospel Life resources and to pray for what we do. It looks good on the website. It sounds good for me to tell we give importance to prayer. But how serious are we? Gainesville City Church family, if you want to be an authentic community, walking with God in this Gainesville City, there is nothing more important than wrestling in your prayers. Gospel Life resources, volunteers, and ambassadors, if you want your resources, your biblical content that exalts Christ to help people everywhere to behold Christ, to turn to Christ in faith and repentance, to be transformed into his likeness and bear faithful witness to Christ in all of life, you better take prayer seriously. Every week as, we, as you receive the prayer request, take a minute or two and pray. Epaphras wrestles in his prayers for the Colossians so that they can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. Epaphras was not just praying and simply sitting on his couch and waiting for some miraculous or supernatural intervention so that in one day all the Colossians will be mature. He was working towards it. He was praying and he was working towards it. Not just working towards it, working hard. Not just praying, wrestling in his prayers. Likewise, not just working, but working hard. Discipleship is costly. To be mature in Christ is costly. As Eugene Peterson says, it's a long obedience in the same direction. That is why Paul, in one of his letters, writes, My children, I'm against suffering labor pains for you. Why? Until Christ is formed in you. Even in this letter, he writes, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I'm completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, 
that is the church. Here, Paul is not undermining what Christ has done on the cross. It is complete. Here, Paul is referring to his sufferings that are caused because of his hard work for the body of Christ. That is the church for Christ to be formed in them. Gainesville City Church family, if you want to be an authentic community, walking with God in the Gainesville City, you need to work hard. Gospel Life Resources volunteers, if you want your resources, your biblical content that exalts Christ to help people everywhere, to turn to Christ in faith and repentance, to behold Christ, to be transformed into his image, bear faithful witness to him in all of life, you need to work hard. Are you a faithful worker of Christ? Are you a faithful worker of Christ? A faithful worker of Christ has faith in Christ Jesus and love for all the saints. A faithful worker of Christ encourages and comforts others. A faithful worker of Christ wrestles in his or her prayers and works hard. Let's pray.